How is the Lions team shaping up ahead of the first test with New Zealand? Who are the Maori All Blacks key players? And Raj tells us about working with Joe Schmidt. It's all coming up on The Hard Yards. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes. Passionate about sport. Two and Ringrose comes through. Oh. That is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score. I know what website you use most often, but <laughs> it's a sister of uh, YouTube. <laughs> Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next year. He's calling. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. I say YouTube is probably YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports Joe. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Producer Joe Harrington sitting in for Andy McGeady today. And I have Raj, Kevin McLaughlin and Pat McCarry in studio. We'll have Andy Rowe on the phone later to get some insight on the Maoris. And Haley O'Connor from Ladbrokes will also be joining us on the podcast today. Uh, gents, uh, good morning to all of you. Hey, how are you? Raj, we haven't had you in for a while. You were away in the States and... Uh, Yesterday it was uh, you were in town with that your buddy Dan Carter. Uh, what, what were you up to? Uh, there was the launch of the Sofco Foundation, which is um, a technology company, software company, um, basically pledging an awful lot of money to three really important charities: the Crumlin Fund, um, the Injured Jockeys Fund, and for cancer research. So. Yeah. Uh, Jim Coffey, uh, the CEO of Sofco, I think has just given a quarter of a million towards these charities. Um, so he had a big golf day in um, Dunleary and Dan is the international ambassador for Sofco. So he was in town getting grilled by the local media <laughs> yeah. and I was a tag along. <laughs> yeah, are you boys golfers at all, no? Um, well, kind of, I have a thumb injury from um, my my extensive training in in the US, so I got I got taken out by Gary Ringrose off a off a good hit line that I yeah. ran in training. So <laughs> <laughs> so I can't grip the club. I'm icing it and um, game readying it all, every free moment. So I didn't I didn't play golf. No, I was kind of meeting and greeting. That yeah. was my role. Do you play Kev? I uh, I don't play actually anymore. I used to play a bit, but. Uh, I'm the exact same. My body's just a bit broken from old injuries, hip mm. injury, knee injury, shoulder injury. So I haven't swung around since I retired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I hopefully will get back into it at some stage for, for sure, yeah. Any really good lads in the Irish camp that you remember? <sighs> Um, Johnny, Johnny's very good. I think he. Luke Fitzgerald was very good, wasn't he? That Luke was good. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> when he threw the club yeah. 150 yards, it was a Rory McIlroy was there. Yeah. Was it Rory McIlroy was giving the lesson? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, be, what was that? Yeah, that was some. Was uh, he he came in for a chat to Carton House. Yeah, and everyone it? stepped up and hit their best drives, and Lukey stood up. I'll show you. I'll, I'll show you. Real, real poker face, like, <laughs> and yeah. like real serious, like expect to absolutely spank it. And absolutely airballed it and let the club go 150 yards down the middle of the fairway. And this is on video and all over social media. So if anyone hasn't seen it, it's worth a look. Yeah. Uh, Raj, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, I saw you tweeting a photo there last week of uh, of one of your sons playing rugby. It was supposed to be an under eights match, but there was definitely uh, a Georgian prop or something playing with him, wasn't there? <laughs> <it? laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what nationality we're made of. Cashfeely's son, was it? <laughs> No, I think there's a little bit of island blood in them as well. <laughs> so uh, it's good to see that the Fijian passports get uh, manipulated <laughs> underage as well. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, you, you, your sons are playing away over there anyway, are they? I, they are, yeah. But after seeing this, I might review it because yeah. they need to, might have to go by weight the way the New Zealanders do yeah. it because if this guy landed on him, it was all over. <laughs> if he landed on any of us, I'd say it'd be all over the size, <laughs> yeah. the, the size yeah, well, of the envelope. It's worth a look in fairness. It was... Um, it was just not my wife didn't say anything she just sent on forward <laughs> photos to me as yeah. if it was just as you do from your husband to wife get a few photos every day but I was kind of there do you not, have you not looked at this photo <laughs> get him <laughs> off the there. who the big lump <laughs> <laughs> I was there yeah well I think yeah he's blocking out half the we should have a little bit more care for our son I think it's <laughs> 
yeah. the fear in his face is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> as, uh, the story has grown arms and legs because we don't have an after shot. I asked him, Dad, or I said, what happened? And he goes, I got him a great rafu, which is a handoff in front of his there. You didn't. <laughs> Dad, I did. He's on the ground. <laughs> no, I think you might find you're on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a, a big challenge for him anyway. Um, just wanted to chat to you about the week with Ireland. We were looking at photos here actually the other week. Uh, Info stuck up some photos uh, of you and Joe chatting and we said you look like a child on Christmas morning. You look so happy in there. Uh, you, you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. Um, I think uh, the first thing was you go back to Irish camp. I haven't been back for four, four years and it was just so um, exciting, refreshing. Gave me all, all the all the old memories came flowing back. It was the same rooms that obviously in Carton House when I was a player, the layout of the room was different. But once you went in there, it was back in Irish camp. This is unbelievable. Um, uh, just the attitude of the players, I think, uh, was was something that struck me. As Kev would know from working with Joe, just the minute you come in, it's. I think in our day it would have been flat whites all round and <laughs> a few good stories from the weekend. It was straight to laptop for guys work. Oh. Um, you know what I mean? There was plays to be learned. Uh, Joe was fantastic. I think he had given every player that was in camp. Uh, he had made a personal video for them. Um, so um, a work on video or or his m- moments he called it. So looking at things that they're doing well. I think they're it's great because in Irish camp he has different rules as opposed to provincial rules so Joe gives them I think certain areas Ireland want to play and they have to be really good in this area and then there's work-ons that he needs them to get up to speed on to be able to play or continuously perform in a green jersey so the lads were looking at their video uh, and that was a kind of a conversation starter he said so you look at that and then you come to me and we discuss how you're going because it's great, I think some people, we are all like it as players, you have a different idea sometimes that I'm really good at this. And then mm. you look at the video and you kind of go, oh, maybe that's not as good as I think it is. Yeah, that's crazy level of detail. Kevis, was, you would have experienced that as well when he came in at Leinster. I mean, real eye opener for you lads, was it? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> and like to be honest, when he first came in, we were all kind of looking at him funny, going, who is this guy? And it was something none of us were used to. <laughs> who and is we, this guy? Yeah, <laughs> like, like the thing is, th- like none of us had really heard of him. He said brought him in, he said knew him and brought him in. And like he'd suggested to Mick Dawson that we bring him in. He came in and just started shaking everything up and changing everything. And it was really difficult and challenging for him and for us because we lost our first four games yeah. in the Pro 12. And everyone was questioning everything. And the thing about Joe is he makes you question yourself and he makes you question everything you do. Sorry, Kev, to interrupt. That's such, a, I think, an important point. Okay, like, it's not just a statement. They'd lost four. Like, there'll be panic creeping in all over the place there like because you have good players, isn't it? Four out of five. It sounds, now with hindsight, but put yourself in the time period, I presume everyone was completely rattled because yeah. it's, they weren't European Cup games either. No, no, they weren't. And, like, there were games we were expected to win. We didn't know yeah. which way to look, to be honest. Because, like... <laughs> We were looking at this guy and like he like Issa was swearing that he was amazing and everything and he was completely changing things, changing the way we'd done everything, changing the status quo. Yeah. And like you know, in sporting organizations you're resistant to change and you be- you begin to get used to things and we've been used to checks, had been with us for like four years, we'd done things in a certain way and suddenly Joe was coming in and saying, No, that's different, that's not good enough. And that is really easy to do to make change if you're winning and everything's going well. But he had to back himself and keep driving it and believe. And I say he doubted himself yeah, as well. Yeah. But I think a lot of a lot of it was an adaptation period for us and us yeah. getting to understand what he wanted. And having chatted to like Paulie and Rog and some of the lads who came into Irish camp and so like Rog has seen it now from a coach's point of view. But some of the like established Irish players that came into Irish camp and were used to the way things were done under Decky and, and different coaches like that adapting to Joe it was very very challenging for them is that the and workload like, though I mean like it, it sounds like the level of detail that goes into is crazy so you, you you get a lot more homework apart from the training you, 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 like you, you have to study yourself a lot more as well do you yeah you do like the, the level of detail he expects you to go to but he he I think I used to feel when I go from Leinster into into Irish camp I'd almost feel it was a more relaxed atmosphere and the pressure was off to a certain extent in some ways, going from Joe to Decky. And then it probably should be the opposite way. And I think Joe realises that he stepped up his intensity since he became national coach. Right, okay. So when lads go for their province as a national, everything's up a step. And that's the way it should be. You should be feeling uncomfortable. 
And I think like Roger's probably the best person to speak about it because you've just seen it like firsthand what it's like when yeah, you step in. Yeah, it was there. exactly. But I, I just got, I was kind of depressed going away. I was kind of hoping that um, something's going to happen. They're going to bring me to Japan. It was weird. I kind of took myself back. I felt like uh, I was being dropped. It was oh, all agreed, yeah. but like the competitor <laughs> inside me, I had yeah, such yeah. a good time. The atmosphere he created to perform. You're in your own little world. I wasn't doing that much coaching. I was watching him. I was doing a lot of chatting with the assistant coaches and I was obviously doing a, a fair bit of work with Joe, but Joe is just so thorough that he has an answer to everything. You might suggest something and you get put in your place pretty quickly <laughs> in terms of, yeah, yeah, Rog. But, uh, <laughs> you put on the shaggy hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it was just, I think, if you're... A competitor it's such a great environment I just think your mm. capacity to to grow and be challenged is something I've never seen and it was just I think playing 10 for that team uh, with the great thing for me about the whole two weeks was the fact that three or four times every meeting he stressed that um, you guys have the capacity to play what you see in front of you if there's space there, you can go after it this way. If there's space there, you can go after it this way. So you either go through them or you play to space. Mm. So one of my fears, I think, going into it was like, because I was a complete outsider, was the fact that these guys completely programmed and do they have to play this way? Every single play of the game, which I would say is great, but it wouldn't be the most enjoyable in terms of um, having to do that for nine or 12 months of the year. But... You know what I mean? I think what, what Joe and Kevin would know better than I would, the fact that I think he takes so many parameters out of the game for you to have a poor performance. Yeah. So if you're a good rugby player, you have an environment to perform under Joe. But if you're a really good rugby player, I think he just makes it so much easier because you can play the way he gives you an advantage with the mapping the game and also being able to play what you see. And I think the great thing about about the USA game was watching it live with him. He didn't budge when Joey Carberry had two charged on because he thought the the decision was good, but the execution wasn't. Okay. And I think we coaches kind of go, oh, seven points there, you can't do that. Joe just kind of smiled and just said, we learn from that. Yeah, how was Joey after that? Because he, he got really criticised here. Yeah, I know which is so disappointing, I think, yeah. because... He's playing an awful lot of his rugby at 15. I think he really is a smashing rugby player. You work with him up close, he is, I think his legs are long. He has great levers to kick a ball, to run the ball. Yeah. He gets excited when he gets the ball in his hands. <coughs> he didn't, I would say one of the kicks was a poor decision, poor execution. The, one of the other kicks was a was poor execution. But the disappointing thing would be if he played this week and he did it again. I don't think there's any chance of doing that. He's a really quick learner. Right. I think um, he made two costly errors, but the result was never in doubt. I think he he learned from that. But to say he had a, a very disappointing game, I think, just completely misses the point. You know, he kind of yeah. identified where all the space was was on Earlsy's wing. I think you look what happened. Joey Carby was playing ten. I think Keith Earls had the most line breaks by a tier one player I think since Opta invented stats yeah. Okay, yeah. The, the, he had one kick that did work to him that that, he, that paid off and Earl's got it as well like um, you know because you could actually see there was an idea that this is where we're going to exploit them or there's a gap here like and um, I think it was the fact that yeah because he gave away another one where we kind of grubbered it and, and they lost possession as well so it was four I think it was the fact that it happens two and three times that was the probably the, the disappointing thing like but and then people added that to the the missed goal kicks as well and he got a bit of criticism but the fact that Eddie, Eddie O'Sullivan was coming out saying he doesn't expect to see him in a number yeah. 10 jersey again is a, a little bit extreme like oh, that's, um, that's a pretty horrendous assessment I think like the fact is they're playing against USA Eagles and he was given license to try things and mm. try things and like some things come off some things don't but like like I think Raj will agree he's a great player to play with like he'll yeah. try things and he'll put people in space and he'll make things happen and he's going to be a super number yeah, 10 absolutely like he's 21 I think people missed the point you know what I mean like if last 12 months ago he was starring for Clontarf look at his acceleration yeah, this year you huge. know what I mean he's starring for Leinster when there's seasoned internationals playing with all around him mm. and I think if he continues to go the way he is um 
I got a bit of stick for comparing him to Bowden Barrett, but I think, um, you know what I mean, he's 21. Let's see where he is when he's 26 and he has another six, seven years at the top ahead of him. Right. Did you, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, right, you were saying that like you had this incident with Ringrose where you were playing the line. Did you get to play in a line against Carberry then as well, like uh, in, in training runs? Yeah, yeah, he was... I was defending a lot of 12, so I'd say they were pretty fearful of me at 12 <laughs> <laughs> in the D-line. So I didn't have a rash as what was going on. They were kind of... Yeah, but Gary Ringrose, when he's coming at you, he, I was really impressed with him, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, it's the same as uh, uh, Keith Earls at that age. I think why these guys stand out is because of their personality or their attitude or their character. This guy is so humble. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you forget... Um, you know, I think um, it was that I it just a refreshing attitude. You hear an awful lot about the new generation coming through, but every single one of these guys on the tour were just so humble, so respectful. It was a joy to coach them, to be playing with them. Uh, there was a great buzz, great energy. It was, um, you know, doing skills with them, even kicking. They were just. Um, it was as Kev will tell you that in training is the intensity is high, so you're blown, you know. And I was probably blown more than they were blown, obviously, because I'm not in the shape they're in. But it was just so so fascinating. As once the first ball goes down, there's kind of like a day, there's a bit of panic sets in, and that's when Joe comes into his own because he wants to create mm. really hard training conditions for them. And you could just see the guys <laughs> that aren't used to pressure kind of. Uh, folding up a bit you know it was just fascinating um, psychologically very quickly um, any chats about doing stuff in the future what what was that conversation I'm available for selection (laughs) 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 no no that's my work experience over you know I think it's it was uh, it was great for me because I, you know what I mean I think you always be putting yourself in the in the boss's shoes and and wondering would you be able for it and that came um was definitely a thought but kind of this level could be too much for me and no it was great I absolutely loved it and um, it was just I think it was important for me to taste it because you hear so much about Joe but I think to give an honest appraisal of him you need to spend time in camp and Mm -hmm. I got two weeks with him and I got to see what he does but the guy has some energy and enthusiasm and love for the game he just absolutely um, eats and sleeps and drinks rugby are you going to be able to bring any of that to racing? Yeah, yeah, I am, Kev. I think that's crucial. I would, I would think, as you said, him for his, you know, what I mean, for the first whatever two months at Leinster and year reaction. Imagine doing that <laughs> and trying to translate <laughs> it into French. <laughs> but he has some points I think that are just. Um, I think obviously his massive area of strength is his coaching of the rock. I think that mm. can be hopefully implemented. Um, but obviously you have to understand why they're doing it but mm. I think he he just makes the game um, very simple and then obviously the, the scraps element stuff like that mm. which um, decide I suppose games at the highest level the 50-50s the scraps the high ball the stuff he put the, I suppose the not being counter rocket in the wide channel mm. um, there are definitely massive learnings from him but I think if you kind of try to copy him you just you get eaten up. Yeah, there's simple principles that you can just actually translate to anyone. Yeah. Like a lot of those principles, like you're talking about yeah. there, some of the simple things like can actually be used at any level in the game. Yeah. And some you can just implant to people's brains so they know in certain scenarios, like it's my job to protect this wide rook. Like, and now right. I think that's why he's he's so fascinating for not only sport, I'd say, but for business, as you say, his principles. It's kind of. Not alone is it the training hours that it's impressive. It's kind of away from, uh, away from the training pitch. Mm-hmm. How he kind of I think gets his player thinking about how he's going to perform on a Saturday, and that takes probably a lot more time than people realise. And yeah. as you say, once you're going to get a bit of taste for his environment, I think you can see exactly why Ireland are consistently performing because there's no chance really of kind of having highs and lows under them if you have a bad day it's probably a 6 out of a 10 you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, lads we're going to move on to chat about the Lions um, Kev last week was pretty doom and gloom in the studio uh, we were chatting to Hamish Bidwell and he sounded very very smug but uh, <laughs> but uh, smug, a week later uh, a win and I know a defeat but uh, another decent performance uh, things seem a lot more positive now don't they? A uh, bit more positive, I'd say. Like the the win against the Crusaders is huge. Like 
I was watching it, I was thinking this just has the feel of a test match. Like yeah. the amount of Kiwis on the, the Crusaders team and the intensity of it. And it just felt like cup cup match rugby, the way both teams are playing. <coughs> really disappointing, like the, the lack of execution by the Lions because they could have scored two, three tries and actually won the game quite comfortably. Um, I thought it was it was interesting the way the Lions dominated the set piece to a certain extent in that they got like four penalties the Crusaders lost their first three lineouts. like Pete got a great steal a couple mm. of bits like that but then the, the New Zealand media were absolutely kicking up about the scrum and the referee's interpretation of it and you know I think that's a really interesting subplot that's going on through this tour is there's no doubt that the Lions have to dominate the set piece to win a test game to yeah. win a test game like never mind the series um, so the fact that they got dished up in the second half against the Highlanders in the scrum is, is a massive talking point the fact that it actually looked like physically the Crusaders were probably just about on top in the scrum the time they ran over the top of them and then they ran over them a couple more times but it was illegal or whatever but it's something the Lions need to really sort out like um, mm. and make sure that they're on top of and I suppose one of the things they'll be having an internal conversation uh, with Graham Roundtree about, about is they can't wait for the referee to look after them and I think Raynal actually refed it quite well in that Joe Moody was walking around Tyke Furlong and that's why he gave the penalty but not every referee is going to pick that up yeah. and like I think most referees will actually just see who's getting the nudge forward and that's what it's going to go off and I actually think that's going to have a huge impact on whether the Lions can actually even be competitive on this tour they need to dominate the scrums no doubt about it so yeah they have a pretty strong pack for the game against the uh, Murray All Blacks on Saturday um, Vunapola Jamie George and Tyke Furlong front row Itoja and Cruz in the second row Peter Omani captains the side at mm. six Sean O'Brien and Toby Faletau there as well uh, that's my back row I reckon that's yeah 9-10 uh, is Murray and Sexton in centre you have uh, Ben Teo and Jonathan Davies on the wings George North and Anthony Watson and Lee Halfpenny at full back uh, Raj what do you make of that team? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good team, I think. Um, it's interesting now, I think. Um, I suppose there's subplots all over. I can't decide on what midfield he's going to go with for the tests. I think you could pick probably eight players into three positions at 10, 12 and 13, which I don't think is a good thing. I think the definites in the backs to start would be uh, Conor Murray, George North, I would think. Mm. Liam Williams is probably... Um, a banker on the other wing um, Halfpenny a Halfpenny you think he's shooing the place kick no I just I don't get it I just think they just who starts there instead of him who starts at 15, at 15? yeah I think I think they're going to have Farrell kicking and I think they're going to go with um, Watson Watson you know what I, yeah I think they might play Payne yeah, yeah, I. I'd be shocked. His defense has yeah. been good. No, I, I, I agree, and he hasn't done enough in mm. attack. But and I think his body is is hurting him a bit at the minute. Calf it looks it. like that he just hasn't shaken that off. But mm. I think uh, the amount of time um, I suppose players in Irish camp have for Jared Payne, his, came, his name came up on numerous occasions in the US among players and coaches. I think. Um, I was at or someone was at an event in London and they were talking about Jared Payne as well the feedback from the Lions coaches so I think it could be an, an outsider for for 15 I, I wouldn't you know Anthony Watson I don't think yeah there was talk of him playing at 15 mm. uh, yeah I, I think Kev is right though I think wh- why are why did they bring Halfpenny kind of out of the blue to on the Lions tour when his form for Toulon has been pretty average his form for Wales been pretty average but I think he's obviously a machine for kicking goals this mm. must be a chance from them like this is a, a chance from them this weekend to stake a claim like and, and another absolutely oh, massive game yeah like yeah. and look who he's up against that back three from yeah, from the Mary All Blacks as well I'm surprised to hear you say Faz is going to kick like surely he's missed two like really important kicks now half me starting the test like Surely, uh, Gat's going to bring the metronome in for the test. Like. Yeah, everything I would say points to that, but I just think f- to beat New Zealand, I think you're going to have to score what more than twenty five points. Mm. Maybe not the way kind of who would have said. I think you look at um, the game as you said at the Crusaders twelve three. It's like yeah. a nineteen forty eight game <laughs> <laughs> because, but it was as you said, Kevin had that feel about it where yeah. it was kind of pressure 
points, field position, which doesn't happen when mm. the Crusaders play because we all know in Super 15, like some of the scores can be 53 36. Uh, but that that their system has been exposed before. If you get line speed against the Crusaders, they can't get to their pods mm. in the wide channels, mm. and that's exactly what Andy Farrell did. So, um, th- you can see here we haven't even we've we've been five minutes trying to discuss <laughs> ten, twelve, and thirteen, and I think it goes like that throughout the team. You look, uh, Kev will talk about the back row. Yeah, you know, I think are they going to leave Warburton out of the team I don't think they are before Kay we get to that can, yes. can I ask you just a, a bit more about the 10 position so Johnny Sexton has the jersey for Saturday um, and people are not sure it might be Owen Farrell for the first test what does Johnny Sexton bring to a team that Owen Farrell doesn't and, and vice versa like, like what is the difference at 10 between those two guys well, for me he's the best defender in the world at 10 you look at even for that um, the final few minutes when the Crusaders the game the result was over yeah. but just in terms of Johnny defending there is, is um, he, he just compl- you know what I mean there won't be any line breaks there there won't be any soak tackles which is a big area of the game because it doesn't give the All Blacks front football so I think he um, he has that and when he is firing when he's full of confidence I think but for that I think you see the best of them when Joe's coaching. Yeah, they're saying there that, um, that Farrell's actually out of this game now as well, mm-hmm. and Bigger's on the bench for it because he's got a Grade One calf strain there. So, so all of a sudden that's thrown a bit of a like spanner into the works there, hasn't it? With um, all of a sudden Sexton could beat at ten, like, and then it could be decided by injury. But they could just be playing it safe again and just they're, yeah, that yeah. stinks. Of he's got a tight calf, they're just not risking him. Like I would guess, but no, you're great right. opportunity for Johnny all the same, like to actually get to play with what is shaping up as a test team. Yeah, because the midweek team hasn't been firing, but like the way the guys played last week, if they can build on that again this week, like this is, I'd say probably. 12 of the starters yeah. for the test game next week but it looks like too that Johnny won't get an opportunity to kick doesn't it in terms That's of they've picked point. half penny yeah, 15 yeah. again this weekend but like that pisses them off I'd say but oh, like massively. it frees them up maybe like is it what's it like going no. into have you ever gone into a game not kicking Um. no I wouldn't let anyone else kick <laughs> never <laughs> you never no, because it's your bread and butter yeah so you think it might actually throw them off you know, no course. because I'd say from four years ago he probably reverts to that but yeah. like you can talk to him from about that, and he just it's as you it's probably you know what I mean it's like a um, a striker, and he's not allowed to take the penalties yeah, if yeah. he's fouling the box. There's just something missing, you know. Like you just need that pressure. Honestly, you need yeah. that. So you wouldn't have felt like going into a massive, I don't know, Grand Slam game, for instance, and suddenly, for whatever reason, you're not kicking. You're saying. I'm good at about this but actually I can concentrate more in other areas of my no, game now because I it think it just it's it's too much <sighs> too you big could, a change like. yeah it's just too much of a kind of a disappointment I would think you know what I mean you have to yeah. put team first obviously but like why do you do all the sacrifices why do you do all the kicking yeah. to get a shot at this and you know Kev the great thing of, as you know in sport is that you can sleep even if you fail it's not getting that shot mm. you just want to have that go if you miss everyone hates you but you don't hate yourself you've had a crack off it that would be the way I'd be going at it you know I think you just want to put yourself yeah, yeah. up in Eden Park in front of everyone booing you and you go oh yes please give me this I want this <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the attitude you have to have I suppose it's like yeah. flipping on its head because like yeah, I think I for most 95% of people they'd be like I want the ground to swallow me up here like, <laughs> yeah. so much pressure here I actually just want to like dive on the ground and no but then it's <coughs> For I think yeah, when you're at the start of your career, but I think once you get confidence and know you can do it, then you just can't take it away from you. You just go like it's you're just taking away all my um, character here. So did you used to love them when there was a really hard kick and you're like, say Paulie or whoever is Draco's captain, they point to the post without even looking at you because they're just backing you like. Yeah, and it got to the stage with Paulie and Draco they wouldn't ask me and there was times I was kind of like ratty when they pointed <laughs> you're kicking this <laughs> you're kicking this <laughs> and there's times like you'd love an all discussion <laughs> and it goes back to all these debates remember we I think in in games about kicking to the corner and 
I was exactly the same. I'd opt out and kick to the corner because you fancy the line-out drive as opposed to having to take that massive pressure and kick at the post. But like that's when a really good captain comes in and takes that decision mm. away from you. Mm. He knows what you're capable of. And the angle on the pitch doesn't really come into it. He knows if you hit it well, you're going to get it. Yeah. So he just kind of goes, posts. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, nice one. <laughs> um, Kev, want to ask you about the pack here. Um, yeah. I guess Alan Wynne-Jones and Sam Warburton, um, they're two guys that maybe at the, uh, at the start of the thing, we, we thought they would start the first test. Mm. But do you like the look of this this combination as a, as a whole? Uh, personally, I'd be bringing Alan Wynne-Jones in for Atoje. I think Atoje is class off the bench for like the last 30 minutes. Come in, bring up the line speed, a couple of carries. But I wouldn't be starting Warburton. Yeah. <coughs> I just don't think he adds enough. I'd be 50-50 between Peter Omani and Tupuric. I think like they both bring different things. But I think Omani gives us far more in the line-out. Whereas Tupuric is just like an incredible link man and brings something different. But I'd 100% be starting Shawnee and, and Falatau. I think they've got what it takes at this level. Um, to actually beat the All Blacks and like actually win a test game and I think Falatau was along with Murray were the Lions best players last week against Crusaders um, What are you seeing with Warburton like are you people are talking about him not being he's a yard off the pace are you seeing that as well are you seeing something that he's not up to it or is that just Warburton? I just see what Warburton does all the time like he's a class player but I don't think he's what the Lions need to beat the All Blacks mm. and I said that I think six weeks ago when we were discussing yeah. our squad selection is he's he shouldn't be a test starter and he will be a test starter. Like I'm, like ninety percent confident that Gats will pick him, but I don't think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but we'll is, is Warren Gatland the only man who thinks it is the right thing to do? That's a really good question. I would say <laughs> there's probably a lot of Welsh people that back him up. <laughs> I don't know because yeah. like Warburton's a hero there, but I think it's it has to be obvious for everyone to see what Shawnee brings that Warburton doesn't. Like mm. that's like that's clear as day. And Shawnee gives you a lot of the, the the rook pressure, defensive rook pressure that Warburton brings on top of like an amazing ball carrying game, a link game and the X factor. Like, yeah, And yeah. he showed a hint of that X factor against the Crusaders. And I think he can do it against yeah. the All Blacks. Like he knows what it takes to beat them like and he's done it before and he's played against them, I don't know, probably 10 times at this point. Like the, the, That back row of like O'Mahony, let's say if it was O'Mahony, Warburton, Falatow just doesn't like it's just like dogs of war kind of a combination isn't it doesn't strike you as a kind of how are they going to do damage to the, the All Blacks and make them think twice about things whereas it, is it, it would be too late then to put Stander or O'Brien in at six because they haven't had a crack at it so yeah potentially yeah. and like the thing about Falatow like he's an amazing player I think he plays okay for Bath then he plays really well for Wales and then Lions time he steps up again yeah, he yeah. just has that element of class that the higher the level the better he plays and he's got to be a starter but to, look, I just wanted to chat about Peter O'Mahony getting the captain, captain's armband um, like uh, at the start of the tour like he, he, his form towards the end of the season was, was pretty good but I mean I, I'm not sure a lot of people would have thought he might have started the first test but now he's <coughs> captaining the Saturday out from the first test they, that, that, that that's a huge impact he's made there Rod yeah it is yeah um, and it's a huge honour for him and something he'd be absolutely delighted with but I think Kev has it right I think there's two definites in the back I think Sean O'Brien and Falatau are nailed on and I think uh, this is a nice way of saying Peter you're captaining against the Maoris but you won't be playing in the first test Really? Yeah. that's the way I can remember in, two, in 2009 I got kind of the captaincy for the emerging spring box which means <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean you're not going to get good news on the Saturday it's kind of the way of saying Fair play, but welcome to the midweek team. <laughs> right, okay, okay. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well, uh, a lot of talk this week about Gatlin not showing his full hand. When you look at that team, what do you think he is holding back? Is, is he holding back a late call-up maybe? Maybe someone like Zeebo or something like that? Or, or what is no, he holding back? I don't back? think that's... He's like going balls out to win these games. Yeah? He's holding nothing back. I guarantee they need, they More than holding things back, they need wins to build confidence. Okay. He's throwing absolutely everything at these games, I guarantee you. I thought the bench was interesting to me. Like, who's on the bench? Like, Sinclair's on it, Henderson's on it, Stander's not on it. Like, um, yeah. does that give you an idea? Like, uh, all of a sudden you're thinking Stander's now going to be the sub, the impact sub off the bench. He'll get a bit of a run out on Tuesday against the Chiefs and then, like, you can't see Stander starting now. Well, Yeah, I don't know. And if you rewind... Three months ago, he was the farm player mm, yeah. in the world with the most meters yeah. made. But I think um, 
all of a sudden momentum seems to be with other other people so it depends I suppose what criteria they have for selecting yeah it'll be very interesting in in, in how they go about that because um it's um for me yeah it's, it's hard to hard to know which way they, they'll go but I think as you said about Henderson I think he was I think he was the best player against against the Highlanders and he yeah. offers something uh, different against the All Blacks and to reiterate Kevin's point I think you need to do different things and his footwork I think on the gain line is different to mm. a lot of the other players and I think he has the good role of second row back row bench option he has a good offload game and I think that's what you see from him I think consistently for Ulster and it was great to see him do it for in a Lions jersey I think he will be on the bench yeah you reckon just yeah, I think he's just he need to be very adaptable. Mm, yeah, I can imagine a Toje and Henderson or something on the bench would be. Oh yeah, for me a Toje will definitely start though. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to go around the table. Um, predictions: Will, will, will the Lions uh, beat the Maoris on Saturday, Pat? I think they will. Yeah, this could be their last win of the tour, but I think they'll, they'll win this Saturday. Kev, yeah, I think they'll win. Yeah, the I'm Lions will win. I'm not too sure. I was involved in this game. Is it twelve, what, years, 12 years ago? And the Maoris mm. are they will be so up for it yeah I think when you talk about um, tradition and respect these guys get into a different zone for this it was actually I think this is where we spotted Rua Topoki oh yeah yeah um, and I think um, the Maori are a fierce proud tribe and and it'll be a fascinating game I think I just can't wait to see the likes of Minner Scudder um, then Mackenzie, Dave James Law. It'll be, yeah. I think, um, you know, it was interesting listening to Dan last night talk about um, just what it means to the home players that are playing too. We all get excited over here about the great thing about being on a Lions tour, but for anyone playing rugby in New Zealand, it only happens once every 12 years, so they look upon it as an opportunity of a lifetime. And, I think as Kev said about they need momentum, they need confidence. They were 22-13 up against the Highlanders in an indoor stadium. They should never have, I suppose, even let them back into the game. Never mind, lose the game. So I think the momentum could be completely different. It would have been two consistent or consecutive results. The Lions would have been a lot more confident. Now it seems like they're a little bit away from a panic button being pressed again and that's not a good place to be before before test week great stuff we'll leave it there um, Rog going to let you go uh, but up next we have Andy Rowe from the rugby pod to talk about the Maori All Blacks and the New Zealand team to face Samoa on Friday Murder She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Rod, Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you are listening for the first time, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every other good podcast app to get it straight to your phones on Thursday afternoons. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to chat a bit about the Maoris and New Zealand with Andy Rowe from the Rugby Pod. Andy, how's the form? Yeah, the um was pretty pretty good with the with the backline for the for the uh the Maori team. Are you talking about the, the team form or my form? what what was, what was the question there? They're probably linked, are they, Andy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I was asking you how's the form with yourself actually, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought you, I, I was halfway through t- talking then and I realised maybe that was just an Irish thing where you're like, what's the crack? What no. <laughs> but good well, insight we'll, we'll into Kiwi's uh, mindset there. Yeah, that, you, like, you, literally, their form is directly linked <laughs> yeah. to how the team is doing, the team that's selected, whether they've won or not. <laughs> <laughs> As for yeah, scrum's good. Scrum's good. Not not enjoying the interpretation of the three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh, the form's good. <laughs> um, and j- j- just after uh, off the back of the last two results, uh, we had the podcast last Thursday, and since then, um, the Lions beat the Crusaders and um, 
they lost to the Highlanders. We're feeling a bit better about it on this side of the world, but um, how are the Kiwis feeling after uh, after those two games? Oh, I think the, the arrogant levels are still quite high, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, look, looking at um, the, the press and the media and, and the way that they read into it, because of course I'm, I'm based in London, but, um, but I, I read a lot of the press from both sides. And mm. um, at the moment, it's, it, it's funny because you just, it's almost like the English press versus, or the English uh, press versus the, uh, the the Kiwi press, um, and uh, like the yeah you know, the Telegraph and the Daily Mail over here versus versus the New Zealand Herald, and um, and it's just a giant sort of who knows more about rugby situation and, and, and who's who's more entitled. So that's that, that's kind of like what, what I'm reading into it at the moment. But um, as far as confidence levels goes, the Crusaders were always going to struggle again. Uh, the, the top line team, weren't they? Like it's you know, that. To be honest, like that, that's probably your test team, isn't it? And then, um, and then the other the other Super Rugby sides always always had a shot at, at, at tipping them up um, because they're, they're firing up against the, the midweek teams. But um, as far as for me personally, um, my confidence is going to come down to who's resting the game because. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we saw we, we, we saw your tweet. We saw your tweet there the other day, Andy. Is uh, your tweet was referee interpretations are going to be a massive talking point this series? So you you, you really feel strongly about this? Well, I think we've seen it. We've seen it in the yeah you know, the Crusaders pack. It wasn't that you know, and that they've been dominant all year, and that's how they've been winning games. Their backline of yeah, they've got a young back line with not not that much experience. They've got Israel Dag there, but he's come back from from injury. But otherwise, they had been relying on forward dominance. And as soon as you take that away, um, it's I mean that's a basic fundamental of rugby, isn't it? As soon as you take away forward dominance, you're you're going to struggle. And and we saw it with the French referee. And I'm not saying that the French referee was bad because he wasn't. It was just an interpretation thing. And the confusing part for me is. Why are Northern Hemisphere uh, referees and Southern Hemisphere referees interpretating the scrum differently? It's um, it, it's just such a it should be such a basic thing to be able to to follow. The I mean the scrums aren't basic, but you know the interpretations at scrum time should be down the line, and everyone should be singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, I still like just and that that could that, that's going to cause tr- trouble for both teams. Yeah, like, depending on who's referring. For me, watching it, like, so I think Matthew Renal actually probably technically got a ride and that Joe Moody was walking around a little bit. But I agree, like, the majority of referees look at that and say, Crusaders have physical dominance. They're getting a nudge in the scrum here. I'm going to penalise the Lions. Mm. But the one thing that I'd be slightly concerned about from a Kiwi point of view is that they, they didn't adapt. So they gave away about four or five penalties, mm. whatever it was, in the scrum. And they clearly weren't listening to the referee. You could see Joe Moody kind of just shaking his head in disgust every time it happened because he felt like he was on top. But rather than actually pulling in together and saying, guys, the ref is clearly not liking what we're doing here. Let's change it. Let's maybe attack the the, um, the loose head side instead of the tight head side or whatever and change up their tactics a little bit. But you're exactly right. But like, there's two French referees uh, in, the fir- in the tests. Yeah. So like... It's yeah. definitely something the All Blacks are going to have to look at as a potential issue. And it's something the Lions, like, I have no doubt in the world, are going to have to dominate the set piece if they have a chance of winning the mm-hmm. test. Yeah, Jerome so, Garth says is the referee for the second test and Roman Pot for the third test. Uh, have you played under those guys, Kev? I have, yeah. I think Jerome Garth says is probably one of the best referees in the world, in my mind. Uh, I'm not sure if the Southern Hemisphere people yeah. would, c- would consider that the, the, to be true, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Roman Poit as well is uh, doesn't take any nonsense and he'll go in with a clear interpretation and he'll back it so it's going to be up to both teams to adapt to what the referees are looking for but Andy it's really interesting that you think there's a clear difference in the way the Southern Hemisphere referees are looking at yeah. particular details like the scrum I actually think it's the same at the Rook I think um, in Southern Hemisphere they're probably a little laxer in terms of the laws at the Rook um, so like all these interpretations are going to be absolutely critical well I hope they're going to be critical if it's, if they're a tight, if it's a tight yeah. test series One thing that uh, Southern Hemisphere referees tend to do more is on-field coaching um, which you, you don't have to do of course but uh, that, that does happen that they will talk to the players and tell them what, what they're doing and, 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 and tell them what their expectations are during the, during the game so I mean, that, that's one part of it that, that was a change for, that they'll have to adapt to as well but also, with Steve Hansen and the All Blacks, they pride themselves on 
making sure that they do understand who's reffing them and they make quite a big deal about it and they've spoken about it publicly quite a bit um, in, in other test series and other tours, especially coming over here uh, to the Northern Hemisphere, where they, they do take a lot of time to get to know and study the referee before they play under them. But the, So I don't think that it will be a, a massive concern for the for the All Blacks when it comes down to the, the test matches. I mean, it, you know, once they're out there, it might be, but I think they'll 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 put they'll be thinking at the moment that we've just got to study these these uh, referees and make sure we, we're on the same page when it comes to kickoff. My concern for the Lions would be that uh, if um, and I think I think that, that Scott Robinson, the Crusaders coach, got caught out um, by not doing that before the Crusaders played against the Lions. My concern for the Lions is that Warren Gatlin didn't do that um, with the with the Southern Hemisphere referee, uh, I think it was the Angus Gardner against the um, Highlanders. Um, he, as, a, as an international coach, you know, that, that's something that um, he, he sort of missed the boat on there, I think. He, he should have been studying that referee, making sure that they had clear interpretations and understanding that there are going to be they are going to referee the game differently, and every referee does, unfortunately. But um, yeah, that's something that maybe is an advantage in the All Blacks case. Yeah, can we just take a look ahead to Saturday and the uh, the Maori All Blacks named a really strong side? Can, can you just take us through the starting fifteen? <laughs> yeah, so you got um, uh, Kane Haynes and uh, Ash Dixon, Ben May in the front row, and Ash Dixon is captain in the side, and then Joe Weather and Tom Franklin. Um, it's not it's not the strongest type five, but it's still super rugby uh, level. And then it, it's a very good um, loose forward trio on Akira Yuani, um, who's an All Black uh, in waiting. I don't think he has he played a test. I don't think he's played a test yet, but he's he's been in, in and around the squad. Um, Elliot Dixon at seven. He's he's played a lot uh, or a few games for the All Blacks, and then the experience of Liam Messam at number eight, and we we know what he can do. So. Um, that that pack is it's a solid pack without being exceptional. Um, that that's of course where the Lions will be wanting to attack the the Maori team because if that pack can uh, mix it with the Lions and gain some parity, then that back line that the the Maoris have got and um, Tawhara Kerbalo and Damien McKenzie at nine and ten, they've got a, a good relationship from playing um, at the Chiefs. Although um, McKenzie would play at fullback to the Chiefs, mm. however the uh, All Blacks want him to be uh, looked at as a, as a 10. I think they think he might be a bit small to be playing uh, um, at fullback, especially when you've got Geordie Barrett coming through, who's at the same size as his brother who plays Locke. Um, and then uh, Damien McKenzie has also played at first five for Waikato in the uh, Provincial Championship, played scoreboard rugby at 10 as well. So he is a, he is a quality first five. So he does have that relationship with Tawada Kerbalo both exciting players so um, that'll be interesting to see how quickly he adapts there and then you've got in the centres Charlie Nartai and Matt Proctor and Charlie Nartai he's had a lot of a lot of time out of the game with concussion over the last year but um, he would be a, a potential all-black starter if he hadn't been injured and when he when he's come back he has been in good form he's very um, robust makes a lot of line breaks he's a good link player as well so um, that that back line is looking pretty sharp from there. And then you go out to the outside backs where you've got Rico Ioani and uh, Nehemiah Scudder on the, on the wings, who are both exceptional, exceptional uh, players with, with ball in hand, very, very dangerous. And James Lowe, who a lot of people um, have been singing their praises about, his praises about um, maybe being in the being in the All Black squad and um, and and a lot of Chiefs fans not very happy that, that he missed out. He's been in some great form this year. I understand he's uh, coming over to see you guys uh, yeah. next season. Yeah, Kev, have you seen a lot of James Lowe? He, he looks like such an exciting talent. Yeah, I've seen a bit of him. He seems to be a bit of a try scoring machine. Have lots and lots of pace and like part of that Chiefs team that just have an incredible appetite to play rugby and, and score tries. So I think he's an like be an amazing signing for Leinster I think yeah. he could like help take Leinster's back play to the next level and 
like bring a lot of what the Chiefs do over to the club as well and, and you know you could see what say Nasir was able to bring over from the Blues to Leinster I think like the, he'll bring what the Chiefs are doing and bring some ideas and stuff I think he's a great signing Yeah, yeah I'm personally yeah, I'm personally glad that Lowe is not getting capped for the All Blacks before he comes over to Ireland because uh, Jared Payne will be around 34 in three years time and he might slot right in there wishful <laughs> 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 yeah. um, uh, Andy just in terms of seeing, see, seeing all those individuals uh, on that starting 15 I know they haven't had a lot of time to kind of train and all that kind of stuff but how do you think that team is going to play on Saturday morning? They will be hoping that um, they get a little bit of counter-attacking ball. It'll, it'll depend on how, how the um, it'll depend on how the British and Irish line allow them to play. Uh, I think um, I think the ball is in the court of the British and Irish lines. If they want to play um, like they played against the Crusaders and um, make the other team play a tight game, then that'll that'll just smother the the um, the Māori All Blacks. Māori All Blacks play with a lot of pa- passion, a lot of flair. Mm. They'll be wanting to um, find open space and and run the ball from anywhere. They'll play it very much like a, a barbarian type of rugby if they can. And so it's going to be it's really going to be up to the British and Irish Lions to dictate the way the game's played. And they can do that as far as they did it um, in the Crusaders uh, situation. And um, you know, this is this is you'd, what you'd think is probably looking like the the test side for the British and Irish Lions with um, uh, yeah, that, that four pack, isn't it? So yeah. it'll be interesting. But I think um, yeah, the, the Lions should win this one and, and should win it when it comfortably if they play to their uh, set piece and play to their pan. Yeah, there he yeah. is setting us up again like. yeah like, <laughs> every week you Kiwi guys are setting us up for this yeah giving us a little bit of hope a little bit of confidence and then bang it's, it doesn't work but uh, I, I also wanted to just mention the, the New Zealand team to face Samoa I, I guess it's their kind of warm up match for the test uh, the, the game's on Friday um, like obviously maybe just take us quick, quickly through the team I suppose Andy and um, and we'll go from there Okay, yeah, so it's a, it's a standard four pack. So you've got Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, and Owen Franks in the front row. Um, you know, no um, Dane Coles, he's not back yet, still struggling with concussion, but there are good signs of Dane Coles. Uh, he may be uh, available for one of the later test matches. Uh, Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock um, in the locks. Um, and then we've got Kano, um, Sam Kane, and Artie Severe gets a start at number eight, which is very exciting. Um, of course, very, very good with ball in hand, very quick, very fast, uh, and, and a very uh, dominant in, in the tackle area as well. Uh, Aaron Smith and Bowden Barrett, always exciting to see those guys playing at 9 and 10 because that, that pass from Aaron Smith, to, it creates so much space for Bowden Barrett to run, and when he runs, he can be devastating. And then uh, Sonny Bill Williams makes his uh, first test comeback since the 2015 Rugby World Cup final and uh, he's paired with Anton Leonard-Brown. So those two players are uh, very, very good at offloading, so we'll be expecting to see the ball in play a lot, and um, especially with Sonny Bill and um, his, his offloads. And then Dag Smith at captain uh, at fullback and Julian Severe on the left wing. Israel Dag, for me, has to have a huge game because um, there are some quality wings um, that are breathing down his neck trying to get into that test side. You've got um, Rico Yuani and then um, he's, he's, who will be looking for a good uh, game for the Māori and trying to force his way into the test side. Substitute bench with Nathan Harris, White Crockett, Charlie Farmawina in the front row. And then uh, Scott Barrett in the second row. So you've got three Barrett brothers uh, in the side with Geordie Barrett. He's also on the bench. And uh, TJ Perinara, Lima Sopoanga on the bench as well. Um, Sopoanga, of course, getting a, getting a start on the bench uh, with Aaron Cruden being out injured. Uh, and then the debutant by Fafita. Don't know much about him, going to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, mm. yeah, he's 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 the the one bolter in the in the squad. Yeah, is is that pretty much close to the test team? I mean, is there anybody missing out there that that, that will that will definitely be back in next week? There uh, could be uh, um, Ryan Crotty. He is looking likely that he could be back for the first test. Uh, just reading some um, articles about him today, so he he could be he could be back. Uh, and that would change up that midfield. I would have thought they'd start with Ryan Crotty if he's available. Yeah. Uh, and then the one of the wings, I think, unless unless Dag has a great game, he could be on the chopping block. And um, the only other 
the only other change is uh, Aaron Smith and TJ Piramara who plays who plays better in this this test could dictate who starts at nine. And then you've got number eight, Adi Sevier is probably not going to start the first test. You wouldn't have thought with um, Kira Reid coming back for the first test, but otherwise, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Is Kieran Reid back playing? See how Geordie Barrett goes. Yeah, is Kieran Reid back, back playing? No, ah, okay. No, he's not back playing. But so like, if he back, if he back, doesn't back. play a game before the first test, will they still draft him in? Is he that type of player? You think they could just hundred percent? Yeah, okay, hundred percent. They've done it before, and they are confident that they've because that, this is what they've, they've done with uh, Jerome Kano. They just they just work on their aerobic skills, so they're going to be they're going to be fit enough to play, and then they'll they just know that they can if they can get sixty minutes out of him, which he should be able to do quite easily. Um, and let's face it, the Lions aren't going to play the, uh, a very like a really really high speed game, are they? Um, so he should be able to oh. should be able to get through sixty minutes sixty minutes at least. Great stuff, Andy. Thanks for telling us about that terrifying team that uh, the, the Lions are going to face next week. Uh, we'll leave it there, Andy. Thanks so much for that. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, Andy. No worries. Cheers, yeah. guys. That is uh, Andy Rowe from the Rugby Pod uh, joining us from London this morning. Uh, guys, I mean, going through that New Zealand team, it's it, it's like fantasy rugby, isn't it? Some of those guys. I mean, it's a, it's a serious, serious task facing the Lions. Yeah, when they're talking yeah. about Dag being like a massive weak link, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how's yeah. he in there? Uh, you're you're pretty worried when you're seeing some of the wingers that are playing for the for the Maori uh, on Saturday, like Milner Scudder, who who he mentioned there, and a couple of guys like that who can come in and no, put pressure. Well, yeah, yeah. When when Dag's feeling that amount of pressure, like it's yeah, it's scary. But like the Lions knew what they what they were going in going into and yeah. what they were going to be facing. So uh, you know, the only thing like that was interesting he said there is. You know the pace isn't going to be that high, so Kieran Reid can come in 60 percent fitness. <laughs> like the level of belief and border on arrogance of the Kiwis is amazing. Like yeah. it's just they know and they believe, but like it, it just says again that the Lions have to up the pace. They have to go for it. They have to throw caution to the wind and do something different. And they can't expect to squeeze the life out of the All Blacks. Say like they did the Crusaders. They have to go and play, and the All Blacks are going to expect them to play like they did against the Crusaders and try and squeeze out a 12-9 victory or whatever. That is not going to work. They're going to have to score 30-plus points. So they, they have to try and do something different. Imagine they went out this weekend and just like it was a 6-3 win or a 6-all or something like that and just everybody... It would actually... They could then come in and just try and spark them then in the, in the test series one hopes. But you just hope that a couple of passes stick like they weren't sticking in the last couple yeah, of you games. You can't switch that on though, Pat. Like yeah. the, the thing is, and, and uh, against the Highlanders... I saw CJ Stander do something he has never done all season. It was he went into contact and he offloaded post contact. Yeah. And the reason he hasn't had to do that is because he normally goes forward, they recycle and they score the next phase. But obviously mm. they're beginning to learn that he went through contact, he took a risky offload. I think he got it to bigger, bigger threw it out to Joseph and they scored a try. Mm, and I yeah. hope that's beginning to click now that actually players need to start looking to do something different if they're gonna if they're gonna be successful in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, how hard is that post tackle offload? I mean, it's you, incredibly like, hard. I was yeah. terrible at it. Like it's it's Wait. something, that, and it's a mindset thing as well. Where, like, I think from the age of like fifteen in New Zealand, Australia, and some of those places, it's, it's bred into people that they just need to look for off contact, keep it alive, don't die with the ball. Whereas in the Northern Hemisphere, it is definitely related to the weather to a certain extent, but it's mm. more a mentality thing that you take it to the ground, you recycle and you go again. And that's the way Munster played. That's the way CJ plays. He gets over the game line every time. He's amazing at it. But you could see like he was looking to get it away post-contact because they're obviously beginning to realise that you have to try something different yeah. and him being used as a battering ram isn't working. Yeah, so um, fingers crossed it's all clicking by next Saturday anyway. Up next, Haley O'Connor from Ladbrokes joins us to give us the odds for this weekend's games. Now when the cups are decided, you have fine weather, but that's probably a two-month period. You have to do the hard yards. Hey, that's the name of the show. Excuse the pun. No, that's perfect. We're <laughs> going to use that now. <laughs> I'm on a bonus for that, definitely. Yeah. Get that in. The hard yards. The hard yards. On Sports Joe. Backed by Ladbrooks. You're listening to the Hard Edge Rugby Podcast on Sports Show. Thanks a million for listening today. Okay, now let's get some odds for the weekend. Let's make some money this weekend, actually. <laughs> uh, we have Hayley O'Connor from Ladbrooks in studio. Hayley, how are you? I'm very good. Need to make some money as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Lots to get to. Um, we've just spent the last maybe hour talking about the, well, about Ireland with Raj, but also a bit about the game on Saturday morning. Um, how do Ladbrooks have this one? Um, well, the Lions are clear favourites, so they're currently two to one on, um, and you can back them in the spread minus 
five. But I sort of think that that price is going to come under major pressure because we're starting to see bits and pieces. Um, punters, good punters, backing them minus seven. You can actually back them um, minus eight at six to five if you're super confident. What's a good punter? Is that somebody who spends a lot of money with you or, or what? Or what is it? Well, Andrew touched on this last week. Like a good punter is probably someone. It's not the amount of money. It's how often they get it right, so that right, they okay. probably know a bit more than our traders do. Like they're the really pros basically yeah, yeah. Um, and rugby you get them American football you really get them you have to be very careful there mm. but anyway so so um, I think that price could come under pressure so if you do fancy backing them um, I wouldn't hang about um, the Marys are 7-4 to four. Um, and but if you think it's going to be a tighter um, match um, the spread for a two point handicap and um, the Lions minus two four to six Marys plus two five to four um, and then again if you think it's going to be about a four point difference uh, the Lions plus uh, four is the Lions minus four is, is one to three mm. um, but I just think that the Marys you know they, they, they're a one-off team they haven't had um, any time to gel whereas the lines look like they're really progressing in terms of how they're gelling we've been impressed with them defensively and we yeah. just think on Saturday we'd like to see them attacking which which they will Yeah Pat what do you think about this game on Saturday morning is it going to be an open game or, or, or will it be tight do you think? Uh, it'll be a bit more open then. well the Crusaders was open enough they just didn't finish their chances but mm. I don't know I'd be almost tempted that 7-4 to four for like, a w- like it's tempting like you know 7-4 to four for the Marys because like, they have a great back line so like um, there'd be a few people who might kind of stick a little bit of money on them but um, yeah that looks like I think yeah minus seven actually could be a bit tempting as well for other people who are going the other way because um, it's a really good Lions back line as well apart from Halfpenny like the likes of Watson and North getting chances as well going with the same midfield all these guys will have played together a little bit more like so hopefully things pass a stick and they get a couple of tries to match the forward dominance that they're going to hope to have so um, yeah I, I kind of think that would be good yeah minus seven seven or eight points plus for the for the Lions yeah. Funny enough we're, we're actually seeing money people it's like people are preempting the Lions to have a really good match on Saturday because we're seeing money for them in the first test match on the 24th so it's like people are going right they're going to play well and their odds are going to tighten up Mm. um, for the the first test the test matches haven't fluctuated at all really yet and plus we're going to get to see the New Zealand team on Friday when they line up against Samoa so yeah, and I guess I guess Pat uh, another week together as well. You know what I mean in terms of maybe Andy Farrell working on the defense a bit more and and, and yeah. just, just more time together. And Kev spoke about that last week as well. How vital that is. Yeah, and, and they, they, it was that was one of the most because that would have been a game everybody would worry about at the Crusaders game. But the line speed they had and the fact that they targeted them at the the line out and and were getting scrum penalties against them and, were, and when Sexton and Farrell came on then together. Mm. all of a sudden there's a different element to them again so you, it's a shame that won't happen this weekend but um, yeah they have that time to work together everybody gets more comfortable with each other they'll, they'll have two or three days extra training and every every day counts on this tour you can see they're getting better with each game so it's kind of fracturing into a midweek weekend team but this weekend team is looking seriously good at the moment yeah like so much speculation about individuals and who's going to be in that first test team next Saturday um, from speaking to your guys in Ladbrokes are there people kind of standing out or yeah well I think like the likes of you know Ian Henderson he's answered any questions about his, his selection um, Ben Teo like really standing out and that we before the news came through about Owen Farrell you know that dynamic of you know is Sexton going to be in number 10 Farrell in 12 and Ben Teo in 13 or it you know what about Teo in 12 you know yeah, so it, yeah. it, but now obviously with his quad strain hopefully it's not it's, I think it's grade one so he should be back in action um, soon um, but our guys they've always had a massive love affair for, for Murray and he hasn't done anything on this <laughs> yeah. tour to defect any of that affection yeah, Murray, Murray will start, Pat, won't he? Yeah, unless, yeah. Unless it, something goes terribly wrong. Even like, there was a, one of the Kiwi journalists was talking about talking to all those Crusaders players after the game and that they couldn't believe him. It's even, even to hear them <laughs> talking about Murray, it's like, my God, like it's yeah. every one of his box kicks were unbelievable. And he said he, were even, he was even kicking them above the floodlights 
so that it was getting lost in the air and stuff. It's wow. that it's that accurate and, and that's how good Murray has been. Like he's he's got the ball on a string. So um we we did a story in sports show saying that maybe his passing isn't hundred percent off his left hand um since coming back from injury, but it's not enough to keep him out of that squad. Yeah. Like he's playing that well. He's he's unbelievably well at the moment. Yeah, he's just world class. Haley, it's funny I was talking to you earlier about Royal Ascot and <laughs> uh there's actually a bit of confusion about the Queen's attendance this year. Is it her attendance or, or, or what's going on? <laughs> well, I just find this so funny because I people, a number of people I've worked with and a number of people I know have actually met the Queen quite regularly, right? And yeah. she is obsessed with horse racing, right? So she said if she wasn't the Queen that she would be a racehorse trainer. And that's that's not a lie. Yeah. Like that's She gets the racing post every single morning. Boy. Yeah, so... Her uh, and she's very committed to all her her royal duties, but she's more committed to horses. But the <laughs> fact that um, the Tories have done a deal that's up in the air with the DUP, and that might affect the Queen's speech because it has to be written on some weird thing. Uh, it might actually affect her attendance at Royal Ascot, which I'm sure she is absolutely. She must be going to the opera <laughs> like off her head, you yeah. know, like completely. Um, so, so uh, I don't think she definitely won't be wearing an orange hat. So they bet every day uh, when you go to the bookies in the in the morning at Royal Ascot, everybody like has a fiver on what colour hat she's going to be wearing yeah. for the royal procession, and it's actually pretty good big business for us. Like, it, like it's a really popular summertime bet. What's favourite this year? Oh, I, I, I'm not sure. It changes every day, and okay. like, um, like, I'm sure it's going to be like pink or something like that, but or maybe blue because it's been a real kind of rule Britannia sort of uh, <laughs> year. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a really popular bet, and also like the great thing about. Uh, about Royal Ascot like it's all pomp and ceremony but the Americans are really ramping up their um, their contenders one of my bets of the week is uh, Lady Aurelia um, who won there last year Her, it's it's funny you know you talk to like you hear British horse trainers and you're like what chances have they got and they're so conservative about what they say they're like oh you know it worked well and you know we'd be mm. quietly confident and Irish people are so cagey like they'd be like <laughs> ah sure oh. you know who knows yeah. but the Americans come and they're like she's a rocket she's going to win she's going to break every record so it, it, it like adds loads of dimensions. So anyway, Lady Aurelia, she was amazing at the uh, Royal Meeting last year. She's running on Tuesday yeah. uh, and I back her. Great stuff. Um, can we also get a prediction on the hat colour? What, what do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go with the blue, I think, on Are Tuesday. Yeah. Pat, what, what would you wear if you were the Queen? I think a, a sombre grey to kind of sum up <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the exactly. mood. <laughs> sort this shit out. Get a government together. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. Um, I, I might just go with red. for the, Maybe she's a big lion supporter. Oh, as well. yeah, exactly. She might yeah. wear a red hat. Just the way I tied that back yeah. into rugby. There. It was <laughs> nice. Really, really good. Uh, okay, guys, uh, we'll wrap up there. A big thanks to Kev. A big thanks to Raj, to Pat, to Andy Rowe and to Haley. Um, thanks to Shane Dempsey who was on sound. This podcast is on every Thursday so you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone so there's no hassle involved. I've been Joe Harrington. Thank you so much for listening this week and we will talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes. Passionate about sport.